Stories connect us as humans. A well-told story can motivate and inspire us. Storytelling is the ultimate superpower. Be The Drop is a weekly podcast that investigates how to tell stories that engage. Join me, Amelia Veal, on our shared journey to become better storytellers. In episode 256, Principal at Startmate, Lauren Capelin explains how a well-structured pitch can help you attract investor attention. We discuss how knowing what to include and what to leave out of your story will simultaneously demonstrate your value and build curiosity, leaving potential investors wanting to know more. This is Lauren's version of Be The Drop. This episode was recorded live at Southstar in Adelaide. I've included a link in the show notes if you'd like to learn more about Southstar. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me for our next episode of Be The Drop. You're welcome. Good to be here. Yeah, well, we're here recording live in a teepee from Southstar, <laughs> so it's pretty fun. It's very cool. Now, you're going to be talking to us about investor decks, putting together pitches and getting money, which is very exciting for anyone in that startup space or trying to take their business to the next level. But before we do that, I'd love to just get a little bit of insight to you, Lauren, how, why this space and what your connection is to it. Absolutely. Well, so my role currently is principal at Startmate, which is the epicenter for startup ambition across Australia and New Zealand. We see ourselves as the, the kind of focal point for ambitious founders, uh, investors, and, and actually startup talent as well, people who want to work in these new and exciting businesses. Uh, and we do that through a range of different programs, including our accelerator, which has been running for the last 10 years. But for me, the interest uh, in Startmate and in this early stage startup environment has developed over the last decade or so, particularly an experience that I had working at the forefront of what we now call the sharing economy with an author, Rachel Botsman, who wrote about the rise of this this new business model where people were sharing and exchanging assets. And it was really the first time I saw technology, you know, as changing the way we live and work. And so from the sharing economy, got involved in fintech in early stage startups there. And really this role at Startmate is is getting back to the even earlier stage again, people who've had an idea and want to know what to do next, who are working in the early stages, an MVP of their business, and they want to know how to kind of get that first amount of funding, you know, through their investor deck or, uh, you know, pitch for customers, whatever it might be. So really seeing that early stage journey and how we can catalyze people to move from there. Yeah, fantastic. So a really exciting space. And as you say, all these different people with different ideas and lots of enthusiasm and passion. But the trick is then to go and how to communicate that so that they can, as you say, get the funding, build the product, build the business and move forward. And that's the challenge because there is lots of enthusiasm, lots of great ideas. How do they start putting that down and translating that into something that can help sell the idea? Yeah, absolutely. I think we have, we're at the earlier stages of our ecosystems development. You know, we're sort of the first wave in quite a nascent ecosystem, but we can learn a lot from what's going on globally. So I guess with with programs like StartMet, we're trying to upskill people really rapidly in everything that they need to know. So when we're thinking about the investor deck, it's how do you tell the best story about what you're trying to do, where you're going to head and why you're the right people to do this now. So it's it's about boiling down those key elements and to have the conversation with the people who will be supporting you in the long term. Uh, it doesn't need to tell the whole story. It needs to build curiosity and and really clearly articulate the, the potential that your business has to, to change whatever industry it's in. Mm. I know I can't help but think at that start and these people that have got these great ideas, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Absolutely. And that is a really big challenge. So what are some of the key steps that you start people with? Yeah, there's two 
key aspects, one of which is, I guess, from an accelerator program perspective, it's the peers that you're going through the program with or, you know, the other founders that you're sharing knowledge and insights with. You don't know what you don't know, but if you surround yourself with people in the same kind of position, you sort of collectively work out those things together or you borrow knowledge from each other. So that peer support is definitely a fundamental building block. But the other aspect and something that I think we're slowly getting better at as a kind of startup ecosystem is just asking the right questions and not being afraid to not know you know to to hunt down the mentors who can support different parts of your journey who can provide you with the insights that you need to get to that next phase provide you with the introductions that you need so it all boils down to talking to the customers and asking the questions um, of of the mentors and supporters that you need to kind of get those next steps more clearly defined. And as you're talking, I'm sort of like, it's kind of like parenting, you know, <laughs> particularly with that first child yeah. and you're going through and you're like, oh, I don't, I don't know. know. What I, exactly. And, and just like parenting, actually, you know, you need to figure out what not to listen to as yes. well. Like that's yes. half the journey. And, you know, with Startmate, we're providing like a validated group of mentors, but even in that you need to filter the signal and the noise and figure out what is right for your startup and you refine those instincts over time which is what makes you a stronger founder for sure or a stronger parent yeah yeah exactly <laughs> well, and so then you're growing your business <laughs> exactly like you, your baby yeah yes. the baby so then along the way there's definitely going to be challenges and lessons to learn and you talked about the importance of asking those questions so what are the tools and the skill set that you think really help build that robust ability to I don't know, be ready for setbacks Mm. and be ready to ask the right questions. How do you help someone in that? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, the skill or the quality, I guess, of resilience is such a critical one for the founder journey. And it is something that you can build over time, but you really do have to arrive on the scene with a fair bit of resilience built in because you will find yourself wrong more often than not. And you will find people telling you that they don't like what you're so excited about. So resilience is really key. This ability to respond to that feedback and know how to synthesize and and make a decision off the back of that. And I think in in that creativity kind of side of things, you know, this is about problem solving, creative problem solving and for investors to see founders that are curious about the problem that they're trying to solve rather than suspecting that they've got the right solution for a problem that's ultimately what builds better relationships and builds stronger founders and what is it that you see is you know the founders that get funding what are some of the key things that you think help tip them over yeah i mean obviously every case scenario is going to be different but mm. are there some traits or some sort of commonalities mm. that these are the founders that get funding you know yeah. or this is how they present or the story they tell you know where what is it, some of those things that people can really aspire to yeah there are lots of different indicators and different venture capitalists or investors will be looking for different things but the the kind of holy trinity the three dimensions that need to work in sync to really create a powerful combination is you know the ambition of the founder what are they trying to do and is it worthwhile enough to actually not just keep them motivated but to bring in not just investors but people to work with them on on achieving that vision so having that really clear sense of ambition and the pathway to achieving it is critical having the right people around the table so you know is the founder somebody who has a special insight to address that problem that will kind of drive them forward or or have they built the right team who who can just kind of nail it better than any of the competition and then the third dimension in terms of investor conversations is 
can they demonstrate traction? And that traction will come from their ability to execute. So it kind of is the the ultimate proof point. Is there something moving here? Is the flywheel spinning? And and that's what ultimately gets the excitement around investor conversations. And if you can nail all three of those things, be the right people with the most compelling problem and demonstrated ability to execute, it's a it's a really easy conversation from there. Mm. The power of three. It's always the power exactly. of three. It's always three things. <laughs> it's never four. So then what are some of the biggest barriers that you see, commonalities in that? In Australia particularly, we still struggle with this idea of ambition. There is kind of ambition but in a local context. You know, we're only thinking as big as the country we live in as opposed to the global picture or we are underselling our ability to do something phenomenal. I think we we sort of shrink back from that and people who found themselves doing incredible things almost ended up there by default, not by conscious effort. So when you look at the global entrepreneurial landscape, there's many more people who are prepared to kind of, you know, put a stake in the ground and say, we're going to be on Mars, you know, like that, that kind of really big picture thinking is much more rare in our kind of culture. Not to say that people don't exist here who are thinking like that, but it's not as widely accepted barriers are also around how people talk about themselves and their capability to do that which again is linked to this idea you know we undersell our achievements we're self-deprecating in our humor so we don't actually instill confidence and i think the third barrier you know more practically speaking is just how are you going to get that initial traction what are your what's your understanding of the dynamics of your business and how you can get to some pathway to sustainability or to revenue or whatever it is yeah to weather the storm and come out still standing exactly (laughs) and another interesting space you know that i'm interested in as well is the female founders Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and obviously the numbers are still low Mm -hmm. but there is an increase in female founders and also female founders securing investment funding which is the other aspect of Mm -hmm. that what is your experience around that yeah i feel particularly strongly about this actually I think the numbers still do suggest that there aren't enough women founders, but from a really early stage perspective at Startmate, we don't see that as being true. There's been a whole lot of effort to get to that point, but you know, for our last intake, we had 50% applications from women and that followed through to the kind of co-founding teams in our cohort as well. So we actually could see the equilibrium appearing. I think that issue does appear on the other side in terms of the number of women giving funding is probably the other issue. We need to make sure that at the the kind of decision-making end from a finance and investment perspective, we have equilibrium at that point as well. So I think the tides are turning, but it's going to take more conscious effort. I think the ambition piece is particularly challenging for women in terms of thinking of themselves as ambitious and and not wanting to kind of overstep the mark or, you know, commit to something that they're not sure that they can achieve, whereas men are more likely to be confident or say it and then see what happens later. So some of those dynamics are still at play. But I think the capability of women entrepreneurs that we do see is outstanding. We have some of the most incredible companies in our country run by women, you know, Canva, Bright, as two quick examples really outstanding women entrepreneurs and more of those examples then obviously lead to a much more of a, a kind of cascade of, of women down the line. It's probably just five or six years in terms of the, the kind of conversion to that. So it's a, yeah, it's an interesting thing to watch from afar as well. Mm. And then events like this, you know, and today is the Youth Summit. So we're talking about, you know, engaging more women in the space, but this is also really looking at, you know, the, the next youth generation. aspect and yep. the next generation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what role does Startmate get involved in that? Like, obviously, 
that's where we will get the new ideas, yes. you know, we're thinking that in the next generation. Yep. So for you and your company coming to events like this, mm-hmm. what does that mean? Yeah, we are really excited about this particular side of things because there's, again, been an issue from an employer branding perspective. You know, m- most students and particularly when you get to university, the awareness of startups and startup brands, except for perhaps somebody like Canva or Atlassian, maybe if you're in that particular industry, it's much less on the radar. And there's this perception that they need to find a traditional job in a kind of existing industry, management, consulting, banking, engineering, whatever it might be, before they're really opening up their ideas to what a startup pathway looks like. So we actually have launched a student fellowship this year where we are finding places for students to have internships within startups right then and there and ideally change their perception of what it looks like to build a career and Mm. and perhaps consider the startup pathway first. So that's kind of the the university to employment perspective. But then I think, you know, generation before that, even at at school or, you know, the younger generation, I think it will be faster for them. They're growing up in this era of, you know, the creator economy being the norm, the the gaming and the, you know, technology being so native to them. So I think that entrepreneurial culture will be more ingrained in them um, Mm. from the get-go, but remains to be seen. And it's interesting because I thought your answer would be slightly different. Okay. I, yeah, because, I mean, the problem that you're articulating is one that I would have definitely associated with my generation. Mm. You know, I'm 41 now. Coming through, that was the focus, you know, get a job, mm. get a real job, mm. you know, sort of thing. But yeah. I just assumed because entrepreneur and startup scene is, is so much bigger now that it would be more. So then is it really looking now, obviously, and you're talking about scholarships for youth mm. to encourage mm. them, which is great, mm. but the bigger picture is really our education system yes. is still the same. Yes, exactly. Like you're articulating problems that I experienced 20 years ago. Yes, and it's still very much the case. And the other part is just the cultural attitude towards innovation and technology. Like it's it's going in the wrong direction now in terms of the huge value that these startups bring to the economy, the employment opportunities that they're creating are still seen as like a rounding error in terms of the national economic kind of impact and that's not the right way to think about what is the growth industry here Mm. compared to some of the industries that we do have that have been we've been relying on for far too long you know the the extraction based industries you know banking and finance all these kinds of industries that aren't actually growth industries in the same way that the technology and innovation space is and it's a global playing field here it's not just a national one so that's the other thing that we need to keep in mind so there's I think there's a lot of fear from you know parents of the current generation who've kind of been coming through the global financial crisis and now you know the COVID kind of headwinds and things like that where security job security financial security is is key and startups providing that is still less understood but it certainly exists and there's some incredible startups who operate just like the big companies that people are preferencing ultimately. Mm, Yeah, but I would have just thought that the future is in our tech, Mm -hmm. innovative Mm -hmm. space. Yep. But so that's not really the... It's not yet. (laughs) I mean, it's like we are such a risk-averse culture and failure of startup businesses is seen as the worst thing as opposed to a necessary thing to then something else coming in its place, you Mm. know, and... But it's, it's more just a lack of awareness more than anything. It's not in the mainstream culture. People don't see the, you know, there's a couple of businesses that stand out among others, but there's a huge industry coming up behind it that's lesser known, smaller teams, but growing incredibly fast, you know, from 50 to 150 to 300 in the space of, like, this is the real growth industry, but it's still below the radar of mainstream Australia. Like, there's two pages in the paper dedicated to 
these kinds of stories and the rest of it's everything that we already know and that continues to perpetuate the myths Mm. as well. Mm. So then for people who are looking to get involved in this space, what are some of the key advice that you would give? Yes, great question. I think if you're looking to be a founder, involvement in these programs to help you understand what it means to get a business off the ground, you know, you might have something ready to go that you need support to take to the next level for investment. That's more of an accelerator type conversation. But then there's other programs like our fellowship programs where you're getting exposure to the industry, finding ways to understand how this industry works, building networks and relationships. There's so much of a need for great talent in this industry right now from all different places. I think what we just really need is people's um, imagination to be turned on by what's possible and the kind of work environments that are being provided by these awesome up-and-coming companies. So mm. it's not a very clear answer. I just think it's 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 got to come from curiosity and interest in, in the space, but there's so many opportunities once you kind of peel back the lid on that. Yeah. And one other thing that I I did want to ask you, you mentioned mentors Mm -hmm. and within your programs that you do connections with mentors. And and a question that I often hear is, but I don't know how to find a mentor Mm. or pick a mentor. Like, Mm. what do I look for in a mentor? You know, what sort of advice do you give around that? Yeah. Again, something I think is very uniquely Australian that we want all the answers to be sort of handed to us. It's it's the way we've been educated and it's very different to the US culture of like nobody tells you how to get a mentor. It comes back to that curiosity point, I think, where what are you curious about to know more of? What do you feel like you don't know and who might be able to answer that? And it's a step-by-step process of filling in the blanks. It doesn't need to be an official relationship where you've signed off to have six meetings over six months and, you know, they will shepherd you through the process. It, it comes from a question and then seeking either within your known network or beyond your network who might be the best person to, to ask that question. Coming to events like South Start, you know, there's so many ways to throw yourself into the line of people who can help you. And you'll ask terrible questions at first and you will get no responses from some of the people that you want. But the the exercise of putting it out there is half the battle. And that's what builds the resilience that we spoke about before um, and builds more of that entrepreneurial culture. Yeah. So, yeah, it's self-service. It's not uh, It's not provided on a silver platter, that's for sure. <laughs> I love, I, And I love that answer. It's the exercise mm. and the practice mm. of going through the yeah, process. It is a gate, but it's a necessary gate almost to get through in the first place. To be a participant in this ecosystem, you have to have pushed yourself beyond your comfort zone. And we're doing plenty to extend a hand. And, you know, the fellowship programs that I mentioned is very much about bring people out of their comfort zone and providing more of a kind of silver service experience to wet their whistle. But, you know, the the ones who move faster will will have that natural inclination to find out things themselves as well. And just keep asking just until keep someone, asking. Yep. someone answers. Exactly. And suddenly you'll find yourself being asked and you're like, well, how did that happen? Suddenly I'm the person that people are looking to for mentorship and advice. And yeah, it just keeps going from there. Fantastic. Well, Lauren, thank you so much. You're welcome. In conclusion, though, I always finish by asking for your Be The Drop tip. So, (laughs) Be The Drop is based on the saying that I love, which is a waterfall begins with Mm -hmm, one drop. mm -hmm. So, it's all around this ability to motivate and inspire action in others, Mm -hmm. which I feel like if you want to get someone to invest in your your idea, you're going to need to motivate and inspire action. Absolutely. So, what would your top tip, your Be The Drop tip to motivate and inspire action be? If you... If we're talking about entrepreneurs particularly, I think the the be the drop tip is can you find five people to be your advocates for the idea that you're thinking about, talking about? And the exercise there is 
to be successful, you're going to need to start talking about your ideas. So many people sit there and think, oh, I wish I could start this business. If only I did this. And they never tell anybody what they're thinking and they don't actually start to have some of those conversations. So even if they're just friends, you can move the needle by putting it a stake in the ground on what you want to do and finding those champions who can help you with that next introduction to the mentor, to the investor that you want to talk to. Oh, I like this concept. Be the drop, start with five <laughs> so and then five. get them to spread the drops <laughs> exactly, with five more exactly. and then we're creating enough drops to get your waterfall. Absolutely. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that. This is a Narrative Network podcast.